Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. So without further ado, let's get the preacher up. Let's give him a round of applause. Joss, come on, let's see what God's got to say. Um, good evening, everyone. Is there a ticking noise coming from this? Is, th- is there a ticking noise coming from the speakers? Is, there, is that something because of this microphone? <laughs> yeah, everybody leg it. Or is it something to do with something else? God, my legs are hurting. Do you want me to try this one and see if it does the same? So it's still still ticking, isn't it? Still ticking. Yeah, fine. Stick, 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 stick on this one then. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> great. So we've been in uh, this Sabbath series for a uh, couple of weeks. This is our third week here. We did begin um, a little bit ahead of um, Ed Walton just because we um, had a message on Sabbath a few weeks ago. Um, and so I did say last time that if you hadn't heard the very first installment, because we kind of began almost week two uh, last week, that um, do get the Ed Walton message from last week, uh, the AM Ed Walton uh, message. But I did say that, get that um, uh, on Sunday last week, but it actually wasn't on the website, which people have told me. It is going to be on the website, I believe, tomorrow. So if you haven't heard that, that does kind of undergirdle and uh, sort of give a bit of foundation to everything else. Cool. Uh, And in that message, we talked about the fact that the idea of Sabbath is for us to be still. And by being still, we realize all the different things that God has done for us, and we are free. So be still and be free. And then last week, we spoke about um, that we are to be full and to be overflowing. We're to be full and to feast on the word and to be overflowing with gratitude as a result. Um, got a conference going on outside. Getting sort of competition. There's a second message. If that was me, I wouldn't be able to concentrate. I'd be half listening to that, half, my brain would be just doing that constantly. I'd get every third word of every other conversation. Um, we spoke about the fact that um, out of an overflow of knowing God and everything he's done, that leads to gratitude. And that gratitude is an antidote for depression, for stress, anxiety. This is like just a scientific fact. And so um, gratitude is a great attitude for life, if you like. And so this week, we're going to be speaking on the subject of delight. Our third installment is on delight. Be delighted. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, which I thought I'd have written down, but I actually haven't, so I'll just go quickly find it so I don't say it wrong. It says, By the seventh day God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all of his work. He Sabbathed. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy 
because on it he rested from all the work of creating he'd done. In the previous chapter, you get this sort of punctuation of every time God creates something, every day it says he saw that it was good. It was good. It was tov. It was good, um, the Hebrew. And then he blessed the seventh day. He made it a happy day, a blessed day. He made something special about it. When um, we use the word good, when God said it was good, it was good, it was very good. Um, that word good is actually also, um, you can also use that same word for beautiful. God saw that what he'd made was beautiful. When God made you, he said you were very beautiful. That's a nice thought, isn't it? God looked and saw that you were very beautiful and so when we sabbath when we breathe when we stop and take time we're able to join with god and see the beauty in the world in the what he's done but we're also that looks like it's actually no we're back we're on we're off just swap just keep stay stick get ready this is going to be interesting isn't it <laughs> we also we also um, join with God in that rhythm because we're made in his image we're made in his image and we, and we sort of do the same sort of things and so when we stop from all our labour or our toil and all our work we're also able to stop and say that what we've done is good so you know if you do a good job at your work you can have a satisfaction in Sabbath that's sitting back and going oh done a good job there good who likes it when they've who likes house cleaning weirdo <laughs> no, there's a few it, 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 that's interesting though, actually but yeah but when most of us don't but some people do that which is great because actually that just shows that we're all created differently but um but a lot of people will look afterwards and go it's good now you know when it's all clean house when i've got a clean house i'm like oh that's good <laughs> It's beautiful. It's tove. It's nice. Freshly, freshly cut grass and the, you know, the the garden looking some way, some shape or form like, you know, I've actually got some rule and reign in the world, and it's not just a complete abyss. <laughs> um, I think sometimes that the curse of, you know, the earth not doing what I wanted is my bit of garden's extra cursed because it definitely doesn't do anything I want. Anyway, um, the point is that you can take joy from seeing the things that we've done and so we shabbat we stop we rejoice and then what we do is we look for other ways we can take delight sabbath is about purposefully purposefully looking for ways to take delight isn't that awesome god wants us to have a whole day where we look for ways to take delight in fact what um, um psychologists and uh, and counsellors will talk about this as well that we, we use this sort of thing in everyday life where we pleasure stack we say oh, oh I'm going to be good through the week I'm going to go to the gym I'm going to try and eat right but on Friday on Friday it's going to be dominoes I'm going to be just in a food coma there's going to be sweet wrappers everywhere I'm going to have watched a film and we sort of like stack a whole bunch of treats we might think about holidays I know a whole bunch of guys have just been away on holiday. 
I'm, I'm sure whilst they're on holiday and down sunning themselves, uh, they, they're not, they didn't just think, okay, well, we'll go away and we'll have a bit of time on the beach, but everything else, we're going to be very strict and limit our pleasure. No, 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 no. You eat well. You sleep in. You eat all the bad food. You, you stay up late. You sit out in a hot tub for too long and you know, all those things, you pleasure stack. We, we sort of put these things together, don't we? Well, I'm going on holiday, I'm going to diet until then, and then when I go on this all-inclusive, I'm going to come back three stone heavier. That's my aim. Um, <laughs> that may be just me, but um, <laughs> that buffet's not going to know what's hit it. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, that's pleasure stacking. And, and what we get to do as followers of Jesus is pleasure stack every week. Every Sunday, we can have a whole bunch of things that we're looking forward to. Now, <clears throat> who loves the book of Ecclesiastes? <laughs> Great. I do, actually. I used to hate this book. I, I read it the first time I remember reading when I was like first saved. I was like, what on earth is this in here for? What a miserable person. <laughs> in fact, to be honest, I thought that about most of the Psalms as well. It's amazing how as you get a bit older, these things start to make more sense. But um, as a young person, I was like, what a load of drivel. This person needs to get a grip. Um, anyway, nowadays I think it's great. But Ecclesiastes, um, which is, is a book that's just kind of like, it's quite, it's quite morbid in a lot of ways. It's quite, uh, it's quite melancholic is probably a better word. And so it starts off Ecclesiastes 1.1, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless everything is meaningless <laughs> this person hadn't read let the joy of the lord be your strength anyway this idea of being meaningless the word there actually is a word uh, hevel it's actually used um other translations use it actually like vapor or mist and actually a bit later it talks about in, in Ecclesiastes like doing, chasing the things of the world is like chasing the wind. And what the Ecclesiastes is it goes through all the different aspects of life of work and food and pleasure and relationships and wisdom and, uh, and, and, and being foolish and all these things. None of it seems to have any real meaning or really change your outcome of life. It says a bit later on, no one remembers the former generations, not even those yet to come will be remembered by those who follow them. So you read it and you're like, oh man. But this point of this book isn't to be morbid, actually. It's just to point out the fact that life is fleeting and not to grab onto the things of the world as having more value than they really do, but to take pleasure in the things that matter, to take goodness and to draw out of what is there, not to think, build your whole life upon it, build your whole life upon Jesus, but do take pleasure out of things. Because a bit later on in Ecclesiastes 5, it then says, it then says, this is what I've observed to be good. That is appropriate for a person to eat and to drink and to find satisfaction in their labor. During the few days of life God has given, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy, this is a gift from God. To eat and drink and to find satisfaction in our work. I like the way it talks about to have wealth and possessions. Everyone in this room has possessions and wealth, different degrees, but we all do, certainly in the West, I mean, crumbs. But we all have stuff. What I found interesting is it says the ability to enjoy them. 
Just think about that for a second. Just think about how much stuff you have in your house. How much stuff you've acquired over the years. Some people are like, does he see my house? Is he about to, something I don't know? He's about to stick a picture up on there. This is my house. Oh. Um, <coughs> but we all have lots of stuff, don't we? But so often what we don't have is the ability to enjoy our stuff. All the provision that God has given us. And so this person, this writer of Ecclesiastes, some say it's King Solomon, who knows. But um, the ability to enjoy their wealth and possessions. Whatever wealth you have, whatever possessions you have, the ability to enjoy them is important. And so we eat, we drink, we enjoy the things that we have. And this is part of taking delight, to actually stop and say, oh, I'm going to enjoy this thing. I bought this with the great anticipation of taking up the hobby of fishing. And uh, it's since sat in the garage for the last 12 years. But this Sabbath, I'm going to have a little stroll down the river. You know, take delight in the things that you have. And if you're never going to use it, give it to somebody who will. Um, <clears throat> because the world wants to distract us from the goodness that's around us. There's so much goodness around us all the time. The people, the world creation, the things you have, is full of goodness. But the, the, the message from the world is constantly that everything's bad. You know, if you're connected to anything on social media, if you look at anything in the news. In fact, I, I saw this um, comment by um, a, 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 an author I really like um, and quote, I think, last week or the week before, John Mark uh, Comer. And he said something, I just thought, oh, yeah, that's absolutely spot on. And that is that when we see the news, what we have to realize is it's often we say, is it left? Is it right-leaning? Is it liberal? Is it conservative? He said, that's not the question. Or rather, I'm paraphrasing his stuff here, really, but his point was that it doesn't foremost lean or look left or right. It foremost looks downward. Most of those things, the primary result is that we look down, not left or right or lean left or right but that we see the bad in the world. That we are trapped by fear. We're discouraged. Our hopes destroyed. And we only see all the bad things that are happening. And I thought that was very accurate. And so when we Sabbath, we do the opposite. We look for proactively all the things that we can take delight in. One of those things is community and friendship. The first bad thing in the Bible. Do you know what it is? Sure you do. The first bad thing was for man to be alone. The interesting thing is this was before the fall. So when everything was right, one thing was wrong. God made the world, he made everything, and everything was good, it was very good. And man had a perfect relationship with God, walked with God and yet he says it is not good that you're alone and that's the same today it's not good to be alone that doesn't mean necessarily a romantic spouse it just means a general as well it's not good to be alone we are better together in fact in Ecclesiastes 4 it's a bit of an Ecclesiastes run tonight isn't it hey 
He's all going back thinking, this is a good Ecclesiastes, it's all right. I'll take back everything I've ever said. It says two are better than one. You've normally heard this at a wedding. <laughs> they can't read the rest of the book at a wedding. Everyone will be like, oh my word. Anyway, uh, <laughs> stop, shut up, Joss. Um, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Two are better than one. Being in friendship and community is always better. So how do we do that? How do we enjoy that? Well, I think one of the best things to do is to do it around food. Everybody loves food, right? No matter who you are, everyone likes the taste of food. It's one of the first things we talk about. In fact, just earlier, the first thing I saw was Rich as he was sucking on a McDonald's milkshake. I was like, oh, hello. And that sparks an instant thought of, do you dip your fries or not dip your fries? Because I'm a fry dipper. And that I know it's controversial. Some of you will be like, heretic, burn him. But I'm a fry dipper. And I, you know... I've made my peace with the Lord about it. And so, but other people, you know, will think, oh, no, not, that's not really my thing, but, you know, I would fancy, I'd like something clean, something like really clean food, and that's how they really enjoy stuff. Totally don't get that, but great for you. Great for you. But food is a massive thing. Food is a huge thing. And it, I think the idea of having a Sabbath meal, one of the things that's traditionally they've done around Sabbath is get together and get people around for a meal, have food together. You light a candle, you have a Sabbath meal. I know in a lot of practices, what people do is they get rid of their devices these days to stick them in a box. One thing that I do when I've gathered with friends sometimes is we've, we've written down some of our worries and concerns. Some maybe things that are in our mind to do's. Put them in the box as well. Just trying to park some stuff. And then there's this... Jewish practice of Danu, which is gratitude. And it's actually a song that's been sang for like a thousand odd years, and it's quite a weird sort of song, but it goes, um, Danu means it would have sufficed, it would have been enough. And so this song that they sing, and they've been singing forever, is like, he brought us out of Egypt, and had he not carried out judgments against them, it would have been enough. And then it goes on to say, but he carried out judgments against them and against their idols. And not against their idols, it would have been enough. And it carries on to say that if he did this, but he didn't do that, it would have still been enough. But then they saw, then the next verse is, but he did that too. But then if he didn't do the next thing, it would have been enough. And so you practice this thing where you say, God has brought me great friendship. God's given me a house. He's given me a wonderful daughter. You know, and you just practice gratitude. And if he didn't, if he just did that, it would be enough. But I also have a fantastic relationship with X or whatever it might be. And they practice this thing of Danu. And so they have this thing which you can do which is a Sabbath meal. And you do it with friends. And you gather people together. And you eat, you drink, you take time. I like in Corinthians it says, whatever you do, whether eating or drinking, do it all for the glory of God. And I think that's what the idea is. In Proverbs 11:24, it says, "One gives freely and uh, gains even more; another withholds unduly but comes to poverty." A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Sabbath is a wonderful time to refresh others, to invite people round your table. I think the um, the the great thing is to see somebody enjoying milkshake, somebody having milkshake and fries. But what's better is milkshake and fries with friends right? That makes everything taste better. 
One of the uh, verses I was thinking about earlier is, is this one. It just sort of struck me. Again, I truly, I tell you, this is Matthew 18, um, that if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For whoever, for whenever two or three gather in my name, I am there with them. And it's this idea that, <coughs> that actually whatever we agree will be done, and whenever we gather, God's amongst us. The background of this little passage, which people generally tend to miss, is about disunity. So the idea is this is what unity looks like, is what he's saying. People gathering together, and when you gather together, then I'll be with you. And I know that when I gather around the table with friends, when I share time, share, share food, we end up sharing hearts, sharing minds, sharing souls, and there's a unity. And I love the idea that as we share what's important to us, what matters to us, the things that God's placed on our hearts, the things that we're excited about, that God is in our midst. Sometimes on a Sabbath, you'll have something called Sabbath sadness. I think when you slow down sometimes, I don't know if anyone's ever experienced this, when they have a day off or a bit of a slow day, you actually can feel a little bit down. You ever felt that? Start the holiday sometimes? That's natural, just to talk about it. I think you it's basically the stuff's just caught up. The stuff that we've been so busy, and then you slow down, and suddenly you're like, oh, I don't know really how I feel. It's a bit of Sabbath sadness. And that's fine. It's absolutely fine. Could just be a busy period of life, season that you're going through, whatever. Just talk to Jesus about it. The good thing is that you're actually processing, experiencing, and that's what Sabbath does. It gives you time to rest, realign, recuperate. So don't feel like you have to push those things away. Deal with them. Talk to Jesus about them. And then look forward to ways to take delight. So we have friends. We feast. We do food. Sabbath is all about food. Lots of food. Good food. Not calorie counting. Use the other six days. The other area that we take delight is in being sensual. Being sexual especially, um, obviously, if you're married, you can be sexual. But being sensual is open to everyone. We are sensual beings. But being sexual is something which you can enjoy when you're married. In Proverbs 5, it says, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Your youth, A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. There's something fantastic about being united sexually with your partner. There's a whole book in the Bible, Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. And there's these, these, these lines and these verses. If you read it, it's just like mind-blowing, really, when people think sometimes that Christians are prude or that God's a prude. You're like, well, I don't know if you realize God has created all of it. <laughs> you know, everything your body does, God created it. Um, and, it and it's really, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it's something, actually, to be enjoyed. Did you know that in the Talmud, which is a collection of uh, Jewish writings, instructional sort of teachings, if you like, that um, um, sex was actually a command once a week on Sabbath, Friday night. That was the beginning of your Friday night. <laughs> what are you doing Friday night? It's Sabbath. All the guys are on the way back home. <laughs> Sabbath, woo! <laughs> and the girls, obviously. 
Song of Songs in chapter 4, it says, How beautiful you are, my darling, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves, your lips like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely, your breasts are like two fawns, like two fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice. Your lips drop sweetness as their honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. Now, I'm not too sure if we get the fragrance of Lebanon reference, but we get the general idea that he thinks she's fine. And um, she thinks likewise, which is good. My beloved is radiant and ruddy. Hey, what a great name, ruddy. I think it says that about King David somewhere. <laughs> ruddy. Outstanding among 10,000. His head is purest gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His arms are rods of gold with, set with topaz. His body is like polished ivory. I often think like, oh, crumbs. Um, decorated with lapis lazuli. His legs are like pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. That's her about him. And it goes on and it starts to talk about the fact that, um, that she is like a palm tree and he's going to climb this tree. And it's all about making love. You're right, Sammy. Sammy's getting a bit hot under the collar. But it's all about making love. It's all about connection. Sabbath, one of the key elements is taking delight. And taking delight in the gifts that God has given us. And if you're married, or if you're hoping to be married, then one of the greatest gifts you'll ever have is your spouse. And taking delight in that is something we should always do. There is lots of good reasons. Um, and even the, a bit later in the New Testament, it says, never deprive one another except maybe by mutual consent for a time, for maybe praying and fasting and stuff like that. But then come together soon, so, that, uh, so come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So even when you're abstaining for godly purposes, the instruction is still to come together and be intimate soon because it's a safeguard. Did you know that when you make love, you have oxytocin racing down around your brain? And actually, it increases intimacy and, 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 and actually sort of hardwires partners together. And all research shows that people are prevented from, um, they're, they're locked to their mate. And also, it helps maintain fidelity and locks out other people. People have less wandering eyes, scientifically, that is. That's how God's made it. It's not, it's not just fluke. God's created these things to love, to enjoy, and to hold us together. Endorphins are released that are natural painkillers, etc., etc., etc. There's so many good things. So, take delight. If you're married, take delight. Make time. What better thing can you do with your body to enjoy each other and show your love for one another? Take delight in the arts and in creation. Again, this is a sensual thing. God's made us sensory beings. God is the artist of the universe. The Bible says, when I consider the heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what an artist. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. God is the creator of the universe. And so whenever I, I'm looking to take delight, me personally, I always head for the hills. I love being outside. All of creation speaks of the glory of God, and it does something for my soul. It fills my tank, 
and it makes me want to worship. I realize how wonderfully, magically, majestic God is. Just the other day, I was in, um, in, um, in the Peak District with a mate, and we were doing that, and that was sort of my Sabbath, if you like. And I found myself just worshiping God on something really stupid, but something I just thought of, and I just think, wow. And that was that water reflects. And you know when you're looking at like these reservoirs and lakes and you see the mountain coming down and then you see its reflection and it's just still and you think, wow, how beautiful. God chose to make that reflect that. Didn't have to. One of the things I do when I'm out with people sometimes is just say, you know, pick up something. Pick up a flower, pick up a leaf, pick up anything. Just look at it. Just look at it for a moment and keep looking how wonderfully made it is consider your body consider the your friend next to you whoever just their eyes everything about them how wonderfully made this world how wonderfully made it is and then we get the opportunity to take delight from it to worship the God who created it God loves beauty when he gave instructions to the Israelites on how to make the temple, he talked about furnishings and curtains and accessories, the uniforms, how to do this, how to do that. And it says in Exodus 28, verse 2, for it's all because he wants it for his glory and for beauty. And so we take delight in the things that are beautiful. We take delight in being with each other, in feasting together. mostly we take time while we do it how crazy it would be if I said you know hey, how, how you enjoy if I made a meal invited Kate and Ali around said how you enjoy a meal can you hurry up please hurry up you know enjoy it but just, just hurry up <laughs> yeah yeah you've got 30 seconds come on <laughs> hurry up and take delight doesn't work does it because hurry is a thief of delight. Marva J. Dawn said this, Observing the Sabbath gives us opportunity to be as careful as we can to fill our lives with beauty and to share beauty with the world around us. When we observe a day set apart for beauty, all the rest of life is made more beautiful. In a larger sense, the whole practice of Sabbath keeping or perhaps the Sabbath keeping makes me feel more beautiful. If we hurry, it steals our delight. So take time to Sabbath. Take time to think about what brings you delight. A bit like the rock, it's guidelines, not rules. But have a thing, something in mind is what will be my Sabbath rhythms. I will and I will not. For me, it's I won't work. One of mine is I will not scroll. It's a little one, but just for me, that was one that was important. I actually don't mind going on my phone. I use it for other things, but I won't scroll on a Sabbath. I will rest. I will sleep. I will nap and I'll sleep some more and now punctuate all that with food. 
And do you know how guilty I'll feel? Not one bit. Because he delights in me taking delight. I'll practice gratitude for the obvious and the abstract. I will enjoy nature. I will eat good food. I will seek time with friends. I'll expand my friendship and show hospitality. I'll spend time playing. I'll spend time being creative. And when I'm married, I'll spend intimate time, body and mind, with my wife. So what are yours? What are the things you need to write down? Maybe this evening, when you go back, you can write a list. These are the things I'm going to do. Don't have to be fixed. It's not rules. It's about taking delight. It's about enjoyment. It's about slowing down. The overarching thing, and you'll hear me say this a lot, is that I now, in life in general, having done exactly the opposite for about 35, 36, 7 years of my life, I now drag my heels. I drag my heels to savor the flavors of life. I'm not rushing. My encouragement to you would be the same. Don't rush through life. Enjoy the things God has given us now. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the rest. Enjoy your friendships. Look for opportunities on a Sabbath to widen your table and invite people around it. Enjoy intimacy and connection with those close to you. Enjoy making love if you're married. Enjoy being out in creation. Take delight. Take delight. I'm going to come to a close in a bit and I'll ask you to stand in just a moment but I think what I need to just reiterate is this one thing because I think it's the thing that's on my mind and I feel like it's the thing that's probably on a lot of people's is this whole idea of guilt when you Sabbath you never ever have to feel guilty about stopping ever You can only ever feel conviction for not stopping. So, in your heart right now, maybe give yourself permission to take delight one day a week and to enjoy stopping, resting, being full of Him, being in gratitude, and enjoying the delights that God has placed all around the world. like to stand we're gonna have a bit of a moment for worship and I'll let um, Claire Coe's out after that and decide where to go in terms of appeal and people and things but I'm just gonna invite God and we're gonna welcome him welcome him into this place he's here with us I think for a lot of us the idea of delight taking delight it's difficult 
tricky to stop, truly stop, and to know that his pleasure and his smile rests on us when we do. So as we sing this next song, why don't you just bring all your thoughts, concerns, and fears about that to him and ask him to help you and help us to take delight in everything he's made.